That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, available on Amazon and everywhere. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lou Perez Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Perez. And uh, I have a very exciting show for you. Show uh, for you. Um, I have a, a very special guest. He's an author. He's a journalist. He's a great follow on Twitter. Please welcome David Marcus, everybody. And that's it. That's a that's no. a fanfare. Right no, there. I really I, I loved it. I, I'm I'm very honored. You know, when I do the big consequential shows, what I like to do is like make sure I dress up a little. I wear slacks. I put shoes on. You know, tonight I get to wear sweatpants, and so this is I'm I'm, I'm feeling good. And you know, let's chat. Yeah, and for those of you who are just listening, uh, David also has uh, an Argentina jersey on. So, how many stars? Look at how many is there? Is that four? Is that three? Three stars? That's three stars. Three stars. Well, we um, it, it was a little hard for me uh, to see that because David is so far uh, in the background of his camera, and um, I've actually been trying to figure out how to work my camera because, as David pointed out before we went on the air, um, my head is gigantic. Um, so I, I, who knows what uh, what's going to happen? I don't know if there's I watched, any hope. I watched that. I, I watched that game where the third star was achieved with my son, mm. and I cried at, at the end. And 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 my son was like, "Dad, are you okay?" And I was like, "No, no, no. This is good." I don't think I would have cried if it had ended in a more like traditional way, right. but the way it ended, I was just, that was it for me. So uh, for, for anyone who's listening, uh, they probably know that my, my dad's from Argentina. Um, so my connection to, to Argentina is, is through my dad. And it's so funny because for years I would always like, kind of like make fun of guys who took sports too seriously, like guys who cried about it. Yeah, yeah, and and then what was it, it was probably, uh, I guess technically three World Cups ago when Argentina was in the finals against Germany and oh. they lost and they lost and I remember and I, the disallowed goal, dude, and I wept like a baby, mm-hmm. and because so much of I guess the connection that I have to Argentina and the team it's through my dad, you know, so in a way I'm thinking about that, and then this time around, uh, we were so it was so. Uh, like me and my brothers, we all have kids and we all live like sort of like all over New York and New Jersey. And none of us thought like, yo, we should all get together to watch this game, which was going to be the greatest, uh, you know, soccer match ever, possibly the greatest game of anything uh, ever. Uh, so I ended up watching it uh, at home, uh, like by myself. And it was in overtime when my wife brought our baby to me. Uh, so I was in the, I was, I was sitting on the couch and she said, he won't stay still. Like, could you, can you hold him? And this kid never stays still when you hold him. And for some reason I held him and he stood still. So there I was lying. And then Mbappe scored. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. So I'm there on the couch, like trying not to move. And then they go into like the penalty kicks and I have this little guy who never sleeps on my chest. And this is like one of the first times that he's actually sleeping on my chest while this game is being played and they win, they get the three stars as you, as you uh, describe it. And I'm just crying 
<laughs> I'm just and then I there was, I am no, again. I, I, my 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 I have no connection family wise to Argentina. What happened to me was in 1990. I was what I was 16, and my parents took me on a three week uh, vacation to Cozumel in Mexico. Right, right as the World Cup's happening. Oh wow. And it was 1990, so Mexico had been disqualified because they had been using, like, players who were overage in the, like, under-20 FIFA. <laughs> right. So, so that's, a very, that's a very Dominican thing in baseball, I think. Right, you know? but, you know, cheating Mexicans got thrown out of the World Cup. And, and so here's me at 16. I go down to Mexico, and the World Cup's happening. So all the Mexican guys are now rooting for Argentina. I didn't know why. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't know what the World Cup was, Lou. Mm -hmm. Honestly, no like white kid from Philly had any conception of what this even was. So I'm down there, and I get to go to bars. Right. Because I'm 16, and... Oh my goodness. I, and my parents are busy doing whatever they're doing. So I'm going to these bars and the World Cup's on. And everyone's rooting for Argentina. And I see this little guy, this little stubby guy doing uh -huh. stuff that seems impossible. You know, six Belgians, giant Belgian men <laughs> will like, you know, surround him. And he just, you know, kind of pops out and does a little boogie and scores. And of course that's Diego Maradona. And that was how, you know, I came to soccer and, and to love Argentina. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know and then I got messy. Right. I mean, it, then it's just another, just another gift to the, to the world. Um, there, uh, there's a guy, uh, Gad Sad who uh, I think he's an evolutionary uh, biologist or something like that. Uh, but anyway, he, he's on, he's on YouTube and he did this really incredible video um, uh, it, like post-game video. And he's a huge uh, soccer fan. I think he, I think he, he might've been pro when he was younger and just talking about Messi and how him winning was sort of this testament to just the universe. I don't know, doing it right once like, like if there's ever a time when the universe actually like when there was a gift where it's sort of like this was the right thing. This had to happen. This was justice. This was, you know, beauty. This was everything. Uh, and uh, yeah. And anybody who watched that game, man. Oh, yeah, boy. Sometimes, you know, sometimes that happens. And sometimes, you know, the Dalai Lama tells some kid like suck my tongue. So, you know, it cuts both ways. It it does cut both ways, but yeah, what's going on with that? I I, I was um, well. Let me let, before we got on. Oh yeah, go, go, go no, over. No, I'll tell you because I because I I wrote a column for the Daily Mail today about this, right? And yeah, no, he's like suck my t like like obviously this is like you know a big problem, but the thing that I grasped onto first, and it's in my column, is like the defense was this sort of like cultural thing of like in Tibet, like sticking out your tongue is like a thing. And I immediately jumped to Andrew Cuomo. Oh yeah, the Italian. Like I'm Italian. No, remember, no, because we I, sometimes we touch. 
Come on, we talk I, with our hands, I, we I touch with our hands. We, you know, we do, you know, we do. And I was like, oh my God, the Dalai Lama. Because I remember thinking when Cuomo got in that hot water, I literally thought to myself, he might do this. And I thought, he probably won't because you can't really actually do it, right? He did it. He he just flat out was like, but I'm Italian, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm Italian from the beginning. My Nona, my Nona would just come in. She'd squeeze your balls. She could squeeze your tits, whatever, whatever you got. But no, no, listen, do, you know? listen, Lou, Lou. Now, there, listen, we, you know, we both, don't, there, there's, there, there is something to it, right? Like we, right. we both hung out in Bensonhurst, right? And there's always that point in the evening when it's like, yeah, some guy's like cupping your balls and you're like, hey, get your back off, right? I mean, I mean that that's why I would like, go to Benson. And he goes, what? No, hey, whoa, no, I'm cupping your balls. It's not a biggie. What? What? I'm Italian, right? I'm the Dalai Lama. This. Come on, I'm the Dalai Lama Benson hurts. Yeah, that's on, how what? you know you're not gay. If you can cup a guy's balls for like 20 minutes casually and be like, no, man, the problem with the Islanders is management. It's never been any of the players. It's not the coaching. You hear Francesa today? You can do that for 20 minutes and nothing happens, then you're not gay. I, I think that's one of the that might be one of the pillars of Buddhism, right? Life is suffering. And you know, if you can hang on a on a guy's nutsack for a little while, then you've reached it. I I, I uh, my, my apologies that I didn't read your piece, but have like um I don't know, Richard Gere come out, like actors like that, and you know, no, 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 no. Cardi B did. Oh. Cardi B was deeply offended. And 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 I noted that that was the absolute correct way to feel about this. Mm. There's not Lou, is there some occasion on which you could meet a kid you've never met before and be like, suck my tongue and there's some way to explain that as yeah you, you know th th there's so i know you're not a living god so that's right that, that that's true uh yeah it, I'm, now i'm thinking like what what was i in my in my past life that you know brought me here but it, it is it is funny and, and i don't know whatever the cultural you know apologia you know was for it but it seems like there's just so much happening today where it's like it's like, I wouldn't have a problem with any of this shit, but you're involving kids and I don't get it. Like, I, I really don't understand. And we, I guess we see a lot of that with um, like the drag stuff. <laughs> and if it's like, you know, if it was just, you know, like the drag story hour, you know, I could see, okay, you dress up, you kind of like a clown and you're reading a book, but then it's like bringing your kids to all out drag shows. For one, I don't, as a parent, I'm not going to be doing that. I'm not into it. But also, like as a performer, I can't imagine wanting that to be your audience. Looking out into your audience and seeing like a five, like you know a six year old kid, uh, it just seems like uh, I I don't get it. You know, so. I mean the six year olds don't get the sophisticated humor, so that's a problem. First of all, right. it's you know you have to work down, and it's <laughs> you know it's 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 the no Lou no I'll tell you. The reason they need the kids is this, and it's it's kind of insidious, right? The reason that the trans movement needs the kids is that the trans movement is using the playbook of like, I was born this way. This is who I am. This is right. This is which I think most of us now sort of accept is true about being homosexual. I, 
look, I, I don't know, but, but you know, in the ballpark, right? Mm-hmm. But in order for that to be true for the trans movement, there have to be trans kids. So I really do think that the whole notion of trans kids is much more about justifying the existence of trans adults mm. than it is about, you know, I look, I, 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 what I wanted to say was sin- sincere concern about those kids, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest that the people who love those kids don't have concern. I'm not going to say that the people who love those kids don't have a sincere concern mm-hmm. about their well-being, but I, you know, it's tough, man. Yeah, no, no, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Um, I mean, there, there's so much. Um, so I have my kids are three and eighteen months, and just like in the in the day to day, like. Uh, me losing my patience, raising my voice, you know, like, you know, which is like a normal thing, you know, parents mess up, you make, you know, you yell when, when you shouldn't have, you know, I look back on, like on those moments and I'm like, man, is that going to fuck up my kid? You know? And that's just like a really, you know, a, you know, a normal thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do better. Uh, our, our three-year-old is potty training. Right. And it's like, how do we, you know, work with him? So we're not like putting pressure on him, you know, because it all comes down. to like, I don't want to give this kid a complex. I don't want to, I don't want to fuck this kid up over, you know, because he, you know, he shit his pants, you know? Um, so <laughs> that's me in the day to day, the idea of like, yeah, I'm, uh, what if I take my kid to a show where, you know, a, a, a dude with huge fake tits and a thong is what, you know, who's just tucked his package, you know, behind him is, uh, you know, singing along to, you know, deeper and deeper by Madonna, which is my favorite Madonna song, but no, I, know. I don't, I don't, obviously, you know. obviously, obviously this is why you pack the kids up and send them to grandma's <laughs> on Saturday night. Right. So that you, I can go and have fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. No, no, I get you. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, no, it's a hell of a thing. Um, I guess you try to keep him innocent. Right, you, you right as long as you can, yeah. yeah. You do the best you can with that. You do the best. You do the best you can. Yeah. Um, Look, can I ask you a question, Lou? Yeah, go for it. So you know, I love your comedy. I think you've always been fantastic and, and everything. I wanted to ask you this question because I don't know the. I, I'm, I'm curious what you'd say. Do you consider yourself to be? a straight man or a comedian, because I've seen you do both and you, mm. you're good at both. I have my idea as to what you more naturally are. I'm curious what you think. No, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. I think there's something with um, like social media in particular, where you kind of have like this holistic sort of like this whole mm-hmm. holistic uh, characteristic of, of, of the person where there are many times when my real, you know, my beliefs slip through and, uh, and I like it when my friends, you know, like call me out. They're like, Hey, I don't, it's like, where's the, you know, where's the punchline? Oh, Lou's getting a little, you know, a little serious here. So I think, you know, in a way, like I can't, you know, always stop myself from, uh, from things going through, but I think, I think I'm, 
I kind of start from a place of, uh, you know, when you're the the therapist, you're the straight man, right? When you're the therapist with the KKK guys, your job is the classic straight man job of the fat guys are going to try to make me laugh. My job is to not laugh and to call out the, you know, insanity of whatever they're, they're saying. Right. But key to it is you can't laugh, right? You have to be, the straight man has to be absolutely impenetrable in that comedy dynamic or it doesn't work. Yeah. But one of the, one of the things just in, in regular life, uh, when, like when, when I would, you know, meet like my, my wife, when we were dating, I would meet her friends for the first time. I would say shit with a, with a straight face and they didn't know how to take it. Like they're like, is he, is he serious? Is he, or is he joking? So yeah, being able to have a, you know, keep a straight face, a literal straight face is, uh, you know, is, is key. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I definitely, um, I hope that I, whatever I put out, there are more punchlines than, you know, than, you know, straight up, like, you know, virtue signaling on whatever virtues that I happen to, uh, to hold the whole dear to me. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think that you do. I I just, you know, I I think about that dynamic a lot. Like I spend most of my time as a straight man. Right. Mm. And there would be plays that I was in or sketches or whatever it was like, and the comedian would literally be like, spitting popcorn in my face oh right right like make him break there's a great you know you or like anyone watching like like should look up there's 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 an amazing youtube video that you can find of bob newhart on dean martin's show right and they're Mm. doing this sketch and uh dean's playing the you know the 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 guy behind the counter at the department store and Newhart is bringing something back to return it. And it's a toupee. Right. And, and, <laughs> right. So, so, so Newhart's like trying to return quietly, but right off the bat, it's, right? it's hilarious. Yeah. Right. Right. This is already very funny. Right. So they're going through it and, and New, you know, they're doing it and Dino starts breaking. Now Newhart, you see, he breaks a little bit, right? You see a little smile crack on his face. And you see this whole thing is kind of like falling apart, right? And finally, Dino, who's almost about to break, says, well, what is it that you want, sir? And Newhart looks him dead in the eyes and he goes, well, I'd like a straight man who didn't laugh. Oh, and, it, and it's like the funniest thing of all time. Yeah. But you can't plan for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do they call it um, uh, in theater about like, uh, is it dropping the salt or something like that? Knocking over the salt? Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes it happens and it's glorious and you get to be in that moment. And, yeah. and like everybody in that room, I'm sure you've been in that room in comedy clubs where like something happens and it's just like, oh, my God, like we're all here in this moment. We all just understood the same thing. Yeah. 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 That there, um, you know, with the, with the straight man stuff, um, I think it was, I don't know if it was, uh, Jack lemon who was talking about like the odd couple yeah. and, you know, just talking about how hard it is. Or I don't know if Jack lemon was talking about it, but just how, like, I think Jack lemon's character doesn't have, like, he's not 
the funny guy. Like he's not, uh, I think Oscar's like uh, the uh, Walter Matthau character. Like Oscar has all the, you know, all the jokes. Uh, And yet Jack Lemmon still is able to make it hilarious, you know, by playing the the straight man. So it's sort of a, yeah, you you need that. Um, Yeah. We used to get in this all the time, like early on in sketch comedy, especially well in improv, especially when it was like two crazy people in a scene. Like it's just, you need that grounding. You need, you know, some semblance of reality. You need somebody to call out and just say, okay, th- this is where we are. Otherwise, it just sort of, you know, the scene almost, can just fly almost, off. It's, 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 sometimes also the person reacting to it, right? Right. Like the person who's like, oh, wait, this isn't normal, right? Who gets to be the conduit for the audience into the comedian's madness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the Abbott and Costello work this way where like you're Abbott because you're Abbott because you understand that the baseball players names are these like prepositions or whatever that form of grabber is. Right? right. Like you're in on the joke. Yeah. And when Costello keeps getting upset about who's on first, you're on, the, you're with the straight man here. And that's why it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, I think the rule is like, you know, it's like, what is this? What is the strange or interesting thing? You know, so like with the Bob Newhart thing, he's returning a toupee. Like we already yes. start like like right. like we started in a in a in a strange place. And now it's like playing it real around that. That, that, that That's the one thing that I'm so happy that. What is it like to return a toupee, Lou? Uh, what is it? I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, David Marcus is rubbing it in because he's got a fantastic head of hair. For now, for now, nobody for now. Bull- bullshit, man. No. You, how, how old are you? What are you? Forty I'm a million and eight years old. A million and eight years. Yeah, and eight. That hair ain't going nowhere, man. He's right. got that. And also, he's uh, he he's smoking too. I I I requested um, that he uh, he he smoke a couple of this ciggies. Blue, while this was, made this made all. Media Matters and and all these other places were like furious that I smoke on television. Why? Well, it, I guess it's what it's so rare now. Well, well, for one, Media Matters. I mean, I guess you well, know, I know. whatever they whatever they can get you on, you know, they'll they'll try to get you on. But it is rare. I mean, one of the fun things is like look at you know like old uh, was like Mike Wallace uh, from like the sixties mm-hmm. um, on TV, black and white, and everybody's got a sig everyone's everyone's got it are you old enough to remember like rehearsal rooms where people were smoking i don't think anybody i'm a little older than you yeah no no i think you i i'm old enough to remember in new york when the no smoking uh ordinance went into effect so it was like the because what would happen was you would go to a bar and people would be smoking right so you know you go you party you'd fall asleep you'd wake up and then I'm not a smoker. I would take a shower and it would, and it would just be like the, all the smoke would just come off, would just come off me. It would be in my clothes and, and all that. And then I'm I remember. I'm so it, sorry. It must it, have been horrible for you. Yeah, it was terrible, man. What the fuck, David? <laughs> like, media like matters. I, I wanted yeah. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, a little bit, a, a little mini. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, and then I would, then I remember there was the ordinance and then that was no more. And it was like, whoa. This is such a uh, a huge change uh, in the uh, in the city. So, yeah, he just put out a cigarette. He just quit smoking on the air. 
right now. No, that's great, Lou. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> and then you know what else they did? Then what they did was they said, you know, uh, who cares if you robbed a bodega? Oh, yeah. No, it's fine. You know, go run out on the streets again. Yeah. You know, that's your New York. In my New York, <laughs> criminals were prosecuted and you could smoke in bars. In, in your New York, you get to smell. What do you? What? What is your bath? Is your? Is the? What do you do? You, do you use? Do you have soap or do you have like bath wash? It's like lavender. Oh, I'm. What I'm is mixed. it that you have so that you don't smell like cigarettes? Let's see. It's basically like a man, Lou. Whatever like a man my man smells. Whatever my wife is using, I, I basically uh, take a little bit of uh, of that. Is there pomegranate involved? Oh man, pomegranate on a on a on a loofah. Whoo, David. Man, that's a dream right there. So. You don't want to smell like cigarettes and 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 war and no, dead dreams. I, yeah, like and horror yeah. and you know the the. Well, the I hats. go. So I grew up. Both of my both of my parents were smokers. My dad quit pretty early on, um, but then my mom continued. Uh, I don't know how how many years were coming up on my mom not smoking, but when I was a kid, like in in middle school high school uh we all wanted her to stop smoking so what i used to do is i used to take her packs of smokes and then i would run it under the faucet don't do this and and then i would put it away and then wherever i was in the house you would just hear you son of a bitch you son of a bitch (laughs) and she knew it and um, it's not your place no no it, it it's not my place it's true um but she used to do this funny thing where um, she would kind of hide um, smoke, you know, uh, her smoking. Yeah. But she she decided out of all the places in our house to hide, you know, her smoking, she did it in the laundry room. So it's like she would smoke down in the laundry room, and then all of her clothes would smell like cigarettes. It's like she's a terrible yeah, yeah. liar. Wait, wait, she's a terrible wait, wait, liar. Listen, listen, listen. I'm sorry. What? What? You? You still live in New York City, right? No, no, I'm in Jersey. Oh you're, oh, you're in Jersey. Right. Yeah, I'm, no, I got out. In Jersey. When was the last time you walked outside of your house and you didn't smell weed? Oh, no, no. Th- thankfully, we're in a part where, yeah. Uh, oh, no, actually. T- oh, my God. It's so funny. Yeah, you, see? You break- Holy shit. Yeah, because we were, we were going for a walk in the neighborhood. Yeah. And one of the neighbors, I, I don't know if it's like their you know daughter or something, was out on the, on the porch. And I asked my wife, I'm like, do you smell weed? She's like, yeah, it was probably... Probably her. So I om- almost had it where I was completely it was probably away her. From it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely her. But I almost that, had what, it a day you, without it. That's that's not. You can't. That's not. You don't have any evidence of that. No, I mean, you know, my nose. She was the only one there. You know. So. I mean, I'm not. You know. You know, I'm not a detective, know, but I is this live? Because I feel like you're, you're, you know. Walking into dangerous legal territory, accusing your <laughs> young neighbor of crime. I didn't. I didn't say you're... any names. I didn't mention any. Names. No, that's but, true. That's but what's true. your point? But your point is, I mean, if you go in the city now, it just it reeks. It reeks of weed. So, I mean, yeah, like you know, and I, I don't know. Like, is that, is that bad? I don't know how bad that is. Is that like horrible? Like it used to reek of cigars. I. I mean, if I had to choose, I I do prefer the smell of cigars to the smell of of pot. But it, 
I just find it yeah, weird now because I mean, people have you know vape pens, they have vaporizers. You could, there are there are there, there are certainly other options. Now I remember back in like back in the day, like oh god, I'm going back like 2008, 2009, right? Like mm-hmm. I used to what I would do when I was walking around the Lower East Side and I wanted to like smoke some grass, right? Like I'd put it in the end of a cigarette. Mm, right. And, and that, right. So I just put like a little grass at the end of a cigarette and then I'd sort of like walk around smoking that. And I remember one time that like a cop came, you know, two cops, like they come up to me, right? And they're like, you smoke grass? I'm like, oh no, like it's just like, you know, I pulled out my pack of stamps and I'm just like, no, I just rolled my own cigarette. And they're like, because we smell grass. And I'm like, yeah, no, I smell that too. I don't know. And it was funny because I told that story. I was doing a show at the time. And one of the actors I was working with was a black guy. And I told him that story like it was funny, right? And he didn't, <coughs> he didn't think it was as funny. Like, he he was like, wow, they, they, were, they were rather polite to you. <laughs> yes. Isn't that interesting? Yes. It's very interesting. What would be interesting is like if if uh, they actually arrested the black guy next to you. No, I don't know. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Like, oh no, I think it's that guy. You know. No, look, I don't know. No, I don't know if there was anything nefarious or not or mm-hmm. whatever. Right, but like th- th- that was how everything sort of got interpreted by any by everybody sort of involved in the telling of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that stuck with me a little bit. Yeah. Did you ever? I'm not dismissive of it. Did you ever do any of the merch? You remember when Marlboro would do like points, and you can get like points for your uh, Marlboro cigarettes? Oh man, I remember being in Philly in the late '90s when they'd walk in. You're, tell me if you remember this. They'd walk in the bar and they'd be like, "Would you fill out a survey and we'll give you two packs of Marlboros?" I I think I remember that. You remember yeah. that one? Yeah. Yeah. And they'd walk in and they'd just be like, you'd be like some cute girl, right? And it'd just be like, you know, oh, just fill out this survey. You get two packs of marbles. And how do, how do you feel in the year 2023 still being a smoker? Do you think, is it like, is it like, you know, hanging on to, I don't know, bell bottom jeans? Like what? Do you think it's going to make a comeback? What do you? It's like hanging on to James Joyce and Jack Kerouac, man. Like it's, it, it's like, it's like hanging on to the concept of pleasure in life. It's, it's, it's hanging on to the idea that, you know, we aren't just here to, you know, vote or, you know, react to the latest insanity, right? Like we're, we're actually here to, to sort of enjoy what we're doing. And, you know, if that's, two and a half minutes of smoking a cigarette and like thinking about high ideas, you know, that's pretty good. Two and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling media matters is going to clip this and then say, David Marcus does not believe in democracy because he says, we're not just here to vote. So (laughs) are we, I mean, I don't know. I wanted to ask you this too, Lou, you know, like, so, because we differ, we've differed a little, I think, on the gun control issue. I'm, 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 I'm very pro Second Amendment. I think the laws mm. as we have them right now are basically fine. I wouldn't change anything. I, I think what makes me a little different from 
most sort of pro 2A people is that I acknowledge the fact that our rather liberal gun laws are the reason that we have many more gun deaths. And I'm not really shy about saying like, yes, if we adopted Australia or England's blah, 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 we could probably cut those numbers, right? Like, I, I don't feel intellectually honest suggesting that that's not true. So I have to say, yeah, we're making a choice here. Does, mm -hmm. does that make sense? No, I think that, no, I think that, I think that makes total sense. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, if you start, you know, crunching the numbers, it makes sense that, you know, a lot, we have a lot of, you know, gun homicides, you know, obviously, you know, if people want to, if this were a debate and we were looking to win, you know, then, you know, you'd go into those numbers and say, well, you know, per capita versus this and uh, a lot of the, you know, how many are suicides. And well, you know, if you look over, if you look across to this other place, you know, you know, what are their gun deaths or, you know, or murders per capita and all that. But no, I think, I, I think having an honest discussion, it's like, yeah, when you have the 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 tool, the weaponry, um, people are going to use that for sure. And and freedom's dangerous. It's it's right. okay. Yeah. yeah. Right? You know what's you know what's you know what's really dangerous right now is that as we're confronting China and Russia and Iran, there is a lever of power that they have an enormous advantage over us in, and it's informational, right? Like when, when when you talk to when you think about national security, there's a paradigm called the dime paradigm, D I M E, right? Dip, these are the levers of power mm -hmm. that a nation has to exert over other nations. There's diplomatic, there's informational, there's military, and there's economic. Military, we're number one. Economic, we're still pretty close to number one, right? Diplomatic, we're very good. Informational, we have a problem. Because China and Russia can control the information that comes into their country. Mm. They can absolutely do it. We can't. And because we live in a free society, we have to just exist with this disadvantage. I remember uh, years ago, you were a guest on a, po a live podcast I used to do called Unsafe Space. And we were taught, I think it was, I think it was right after, um, right after Trump won. Um, and something that, that we brought up, or I think you brought up, you know, the question of, you know, who would you rather see leading the world? Right. Uh, because if it ain't the U S then it's somebody else. That was we, an old Donald. That was the old Donald Rumsfeld question, you know. And I think that I think that's a fair, uh, you know, a fair question uh, to ask. And in 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 that same conversation, because I think we were we were talking about um, hacking and misinformation and that sort of thing, where I was like, "Where the fuck are the are the American hackers? You know, where are they on the on the world stage? I mean, uh, you know, it's no, you know, it, it's." it's no secret that, you know, um, you know, the CIA, you know, will, you know, distribute information and, and that sort of thing. But it seems like, uh, if, if, if anybody's, you know, keeping, you know, staying, um, staying up with the media, it's like, we, here we are at the mercy 
of you know some guy in Moscow or I mean, you look, know somebody I, in China. I, I, you know, I, I, I imagine there's things we're not talking about, right? For good reasons. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing we've got like the Matthew Broderick. Was this war, war games? Is it, yeah, right. Like you know, at the but we don't know about them. And like uh-huh. you can't, or you know, and if you if I told you about them, then they'd have to kill me. So I'm not, not going to do that. Right. Um, but it, it 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 is something where it seems like uh, it, it, look, Lou, it's, it's like we're just at the, like you can't yeah. like there's no way to spin it. Like a free society is going to have problems in terms of informational warfare. And I think, you know, when I look at this stuff, like the disinformation boards and like, blah, blah, blah. and like, oh, this is clearly like abject madness, right? That's not it. You have to target the Russians, right? You can't approach this by saying, we're going to, we're going to handle this by limiting the American people's access to information. You can't do that. I don't want my access to information limited. The way you attack this is by attacking the bad actors in Russia and Iran and China and those places. That's the only way you can deal with this. Mm-hmm. Is there, um, man, I'm trying to, uh, where, where are you on, I guess on what TikTok? you know, TikTok is the, uh, I look, I, I don't know. Like, look, it's a problem, right? Like, obviously the Chinese communist party is spying on millions of Americans, you know, who go through TikTok. I, 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 you know, I had this, like, I, 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 I don't think my son's on TikTok. I check his phone all the time. Like, you know, like, you know, don't be on TikTok, but I don't know. The president of the United States just said he's going to, employ not employ because they're not getting paid right? i don't know whatever like he's gonna you know harness an army of influencers to go on tiktok run by the chinese communist party to try to get gen z to you know vote for him and yeah it is wild i'm uh for those of you who don't know i'm i'm, I'm a 41 year old male and i'm on tiktok um, and I'm, you know, I've, I've had some success on it. It is, you know, I could see the, um, the attraction, especially if you're, you know, a comedian or an entertainer, you know, you put like a 30 second clip on and it could, are you, you know, on OnlyFans too? Um, that's not me. Oh, the, that's... yeah. Everybody, everybody who's, you know, you've been giving your money to the wrong person. I, I have sexy feet. That's that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. But those aren't my feet. So there now you know. <laughs> there you go. Now you know. Um, uh, something that that uh, that you you tweeted today, actually, and I uh, I'm I'm really happy that you tweeted. It's like going back, I guess, to, to Argentina. Is uh, it was a clip of uh, Jorge Luis Borges uh, talking with uh, William F. Buckley Jr. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, Borges is a, a a giant when it comes to uh, literature, not just, you know, Spanish uh, language literature, but um, uh, but he's, he's you know, put, I guess, in like sort of like the, uh, is it the Parthenon or the Pantheon with, um, 
you know, experimental writers like, uh, you know, Kafka and, uh, and Joyce, you know, he's Absolutely. a huge fan of Joyce. Um, and for one, I think it's just a, it, it's an incredible testament to just how amazing there were times when, you know, on television, you could have Jorge Luis Borges talking with William F. Buckley Jr., where I feel like, uh, I feel like that sort of thing, it might happen now, but it happens on, you know, online and, you know, podcasts, which I think this is sort of the equivalent. Jorge Luis Borges right now and, and uh, William F. Buckley Jr. talking. But, um, but the clip, and, and you guys can go, you, you can check out a uh, Blue Box Dave on, uh, on Twitter or, or, uh, or my uh, at, at the Lou Perez because I retweeted it too. It's a clip where Borges is talking about how, I guess, in his way, in his opinion, English is a, the superior language um, to to Spanish, and how even though you know he's Spanish speaking, he does a lot of his writing in English because of. Uh, maybe you could you know take it from there if you want. You know, I I, I I think he means superior language specifically in the context of writing. Right. right. Like, I, right. like I, I don't think he's saying, like, I love my grandmother more because I say it in English than you love your grandmother. He, he, he's, right. he's, he's not the guy in Philly saying learn English or leave. Right. Like he's, no, no, he's, no. Not, he's not that guy. He might be, but, I'm, but, but I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think the point is he, he says a very interesting thing, right? He says that. Spanish is a romance language, right? France is a romance language, or French is a, is a romance language, right? Um, English is a combination of German and Latin, and it creates a really interesting universe of possibilities in terms of how the English language expresses ideas. Um, you know, he talks about the difference between the Latin word spirit, which is light and airy and the German or Saxon word ghost, which is darker. Yeah. You know, he talks about the physicality of the English language. The English language also has like vastly more words than any other language. So, you know, I, 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 this is something I've, I've thought a lot about um, maybe because I feel guilty because I don't really speak any other languages, but I, I do I do think English is there's a reason that it became the new lingua franca, right? The term lingua franca literally means from Latin, you know, the common language, and it was French, right? Through the 19th century into much of the early 20th century, and then it became English. And much as I'm not too concerned about the dollar, I'm not too concerned about the English language losing its primacy because it's just more stable, it's it's more active, and frankly, more beautiful. Yeah, you can notice that we're you know you know popular music going all around the world. You know, you talk about like you know the United States has so much cultural exports. You know. And one of them is definitely the, uh, our language. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, I feel in, in England would probably claim it, but screw them. Yeah. Screw them. Yeah. We're, we're, we're different. We're, we're, uh, we're, we speak American here. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed that clip and you, you've been posting a lot, you know, in addition to, you know, uh, you have a book out, um, what, what's your book about, uh, COVID, uh, right. 
Yeah, man, it, that came out. God, it's crazy that it came out almost two years ago. Because almost I, two years, wow. wow. Yeah, it came out in summer of 2021. Um, I wrote it during 2020. It, it really only covers 2020. Mm. Um, and I wrote it live. Like I wrote, I wrote the book as I was covering this for the Federalist, and and you know, I I really did it because it became obvious to me. I would say by April or May of 2020 that the real history of this thing was not going to be told. Mm. And the knock on my book is that it's, it's very personal in a lot of ways. In fact, my first publisher rejected it and they said, Dave, this is too much of you in the backyard listening to like the silence of New York and sirens and like the cultural implications and, and, and blah, blah, blah. We wanted what was happening at the white house. Okay. You know, fair enough. My second publisher was comfortable with what I had written in retrospect. I feel like what I wrote is a lot more important because what we actually went through is the thing that matters, not, you know, what strange discussions were happening at, you know, health and human, you know, resources or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, during that time, it, it, I definitely uh, discovered if I hadn't known before just how important, you know, human connections and relationships are. Um, you know, when you're put in a position where you're told basically not to have physical connections with, with people, you know, when, when everybody was, uh, you know, creating their own pod um, and there was, you know, this uh, – um, being suspect, you know, treating others like suspects that, you know, they could possibly be delivering the mask of the red death, you know, to you. Um, it definitely changes people and it, it you know, messes people, uh, messes people up. And uh, in my book, I went through uh, uh, in one of the chapters, I talk a little bit, um, talk a little bit uh, about that. Um, did that, did that have an impact on you as a, as a writer? So what I was going to say is, you know, in addition to writing the book and, you know, also, you know, your, uh, your journalism, you, you, you write quite a bit, at least, in, you know, on Twitter about writing, about being an author, about how much that, uh, how, how much that, you know, is, is your identity, you know, uh, like above all else. Um, um, I remember there were a number of series people asking like, who pays you, man? who pays you, you know, as if uh, it's like, yeah, you get paid for your writing, um, but you write what you write, you know, you write what you want to write. Um, and, you know, thankfully you're able to, uh, um, you know, to find outlets where you can get that out. So. No, man, look, um, I spent, you know, you and I know each other from before this, right. You know, right. I, I spent almost 20 years in theater telling stories. Um, I'm a, I'm a storyteller. That's my job. Whether that was producing the sticky series in New York, right? You know, whether that was being a column columnist for the Federalist, whether that's what I do now, like you tell stories, right? You know, this is a stand-up comedian. Like what you're really doing is just sort of telling the story 
of, of, of what's going on. And I think a, a really important thing that I realized, like it was only a couple of years ago. It took me a long time to realize this. It doesn't matter who I think the GOP nominee should be, right? Do I want Trump? Do I want DeSantis? Who cares? Right? That's not my job. And you think that it is because you think like, oh, I'm an opinion columnist. Well, everybody wants my opinion. No, that's not really the job. The job is to listen to people and be like, well, why do people want Trump? Mm-hmm. Why do people want DeSantis? And break that down. That's what the job is at the end of the day. And the problem is right now you can't do that job because Lou, I, it, it, it's insane. If I say, if I say, you know, maybe DeSantis shouldn't run. Everyone goes, Oh my God. All right. So you want, so Joe Biden gets four more years and it's the end of America. And that's what you want. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, that, that's not what I want. Right. But at the same time, if I say, well, you know, maybe Trump shouldn't like screw porn stars and like pay them off. I get like, oh, so you're fine with like malicious political prosecution. You're fine with like a banana <laughs> Republican. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not saying any of these things. That None of that is what I'm saying. But that's the dynamic right now. Yeah, it's such a, a, a black and white, uh, you know, it's either you know, you're in this camp and you're in that or you're in that camp. You can't make a value neutral statement. You can't just yeah. say like, oh, here's what I think. It's always like, oh, what's the agenda behind that? There's got to be a reason that Dave's saying that. No, you know, most of the time there isn't. Most of the time I'm just saying it because like, oh, here's an interesting thing that I think might be true. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and with that, I mean, what, dude, I don't What's going to happen? Yeah, and, and I think uh, is it is the DNC going to be in Chicago? Yes, that's wild. It's, that's going to be fantastic, man. I mean, like you know, bring your own shotgun. I don't. What do you do? Like, I mean, what was it? Sixty? Was it sixty-eight mm-hmm. when it was last in Chicago? And they were just. I think uh, it's oh, been there since then. But yes, yeah, sixty-eight was the you know blow up. And then where, where's the RNC going to go? The RNC is in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. So super exciting. Super exciting. Milwaukee. <laughs> I know. It's going to be great. There's there's so many fantastic things to do in Milwaukee. There's walking around. Well, isn't uh, uh, there's, Laverne and Shirley? There. Right. Right. What else do they have in Milwaukee? Yeah, the Mil- Laverne and Shirley. I'm sorry. Am I gonna get, they're going to be Milwaukee. See, like I'm worried it's going to be like Milwaukee people who are angry at me, but but I don't think there are any. I I would love for you to be actually accused of being are a shill, Brewers fan? a shill for Milwaukee. I that don't would know. be great. I would do that if Milwaukee <laughs> wanted to give me. I'd need a lot of money, but like if Milwaukee wanted to give me like two hundred grand, like the mayor of Milwaukee called me up and was like, "Dave, I'll give you two hundred grand right now." Right. We'll do it off the books, whatever. Just sort of like, I'll get you the cash. Right. But I need you just to like talk Milwaukee up over the next year and like everything you do. 
I mean, you're going to have to do a I, it's lot a hard of research. Thing to say no to, right? It, it's hard, yeah, but that's going to take a lot of work. I, I know, but I feel like I could do it if I, if I had, you know, if I had, to, may, yeah, maybe 500 grand. So other than, other than Milwaukee, right? Yeah. What, what, what are some things that are, that are on your mind? That could, are, what else could I get bought off for? Yeah, Only well, Milwaukee. Well, well part of that. No, because I, I just feel like with, with everything that's going on, I just I don't have the bandwidth to keep up on, you know, all of these, you know, twists and turns and, and all that. I uh, everything that I mean, like I said, like, you know, 2024 is, you know, oh, my God, it's so, you know, it's so near. It's like we're going to have like another, you know, campaign season with all this stuff going on, um, all the stuff happening on, you know, Twitter itself, even if you were just like somebody who was just 100 percent online just following what the hell is going on on Twitter. I, I mean, it, there's already like too much there. So I don't know. I'm like, I think early, I'm, you know, early- I'm, I'll tell you, Lou, I'm, I'm following the AI stuff. In fact, this isn't me. Um, you've actually, this entire, <laughs> this entire interview has been with AI Dave. Um, AI Dave. So I, you know, like, so that's sort of what what well I, I should say that's what Dave has kind of been focused on. Sign AI, Dave. Dude, uh, no, Dave. No wonder Dave, your hair is so black and so thick, man. He he doesn't like when people point that out, Lou. <laughs> well, uh, Dave, something I want to want to do. So, um, for those of you who have tuned in, thank you so much uh, for listening to this. We're actually gonna. Uh, halt the live stream right now and uh we're gonna go over uh to my locals exclusive i got a few questions for dave that came in from uh my locals community if you guys want to join it go to theluperez.locals.com and uh pick up my book that joke isn't funny anymore and follow dave uh dave marcus on twitter at blue box dave uh like i said he's a great writer great follow and thank you for for joining me here dave god bless lou